Hello everybody, what up everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Serato's Unscripted with me, Matt. Um, if you've never tuned into the show before, um, this is a show about the power of music and we feature guests that uh, I hopefully, uh, hopefully will introduce you to if you're not already familiar with. And today's guest is a very talented singer, songwriter, producer, keyboard player from Orange County. And I'm really keen to chat to her about and highlight some of her impressive accolades and credits, as well as her, uh, talk about her new album, Sweet Company. Um, if you haven't heard of Vicky Farewell, you're in for a treat because she's got some really cool, uh, really cool stories. Um, so please welcome Vicky to the show. What up, Vicky? Hi! <laughs> now, you, you are from Orange County, right? Is that correct? Yeah, um, I am from Orange County. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people in LA don't like hearing that, but yes. Why is that, do you think? Um... Without getting too deep into it, I think there's just a lot of like political differences. Because oh, okay. that was what I'm assuming. Um, but you know, it's we're right. Orange County is right next to LA, so it's, we're kind of all in the same boat. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's really cool. Cool. Actually, I'm broadcasting. I usually broadcast in, in Vancouver, where I live. Sorry, guys. We're just uh, experiencing some technical issues here. Um, hopefully, we can get Vicky back on here. In just a moment. Hey, Vicky, we got you back here. Okay, we're back. Um, so yeah, I just wanted right. to say um, congratulations on your on your new album, uh, Sweet Company. Thank you. This is your debut album, right? Yes, it is. It is. Um, how does it feel to have completed uh, your debut album after working with so many great artists? Um, it's a huge relief. I'm so happy to finally have my music out and just it's something that I've always wanted to do but didn't think I would ever do just because I didn't have the didn't have the balls to do it <laughs> so I'm glad it's out I'm so so happy it's out what when you say uh, you know you didn't have the balls to do it, it it is a huge commitment to to make an album quite a feat um was it overwhelming like is that kind of why it was or what was the the kind of the worries there I think I think it's just generally very scary to put yourself out there mm. and um, you're you're especially I think like when because I've always been a keyboardist I've always been an instrumentalist first before I was a vocalist and I feel like that's like the general fear of most musicians is like oh no you're gonna hear my voice I'm so scared you know it's a very vulnerable thing to do and then also to like write about something that's very personal is also very scary. Um, and I think I was just, yeah, just scared about it. So really, most of us musicians are scared about letting people inside in general. <laughs> so, uh, and in being a music artist, you're allowing anyone and everybody inside, you know, like anyone can hear your music at this point. So um, I think it took a very long time for me to finally just let that go and um, just own own myself, own what I've got, and let it let it go. That's so true, though. Uh, I, I had a conversation pretty recently with a friend about uh, when he was he went to see a show at Coachella, and they were talking about hearing a, mu a live performance uh, and this and someone singing live, and you know, uh, in addition to being so vulnerable, you, you you know, it's really naked out there when you're performing. To an audience, um, and 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 I guess you can when you're working on an album and when you're in a studio, you can kind of capture that 
I guess that um, intimacy a bit better. But when you're on live on stage, it's even more vulnerable. Would you, would you agree? Extremely so, yes. And then it's like uh, amplified. Yeah. Um, and, and then you're hearing and seeing faces you don't know is, is really weird and strange. And then, uh, but I, I've always, the, the funny thing is I've, I've been performing for so long that, uh, yeah, like I, I went through a, a phase of just general stage fright, but, um, after a while of doing shows in every capacity, where it, whether it's you're playing for two people in the audience or you're playing for thousands of people in the audience, like I've been fortunate enough to have that kind of exposure and experience. Um, I, I just like, it doesn't bother me anymore. It's the weirdest thing ever. Now I just don't really care. Now I do care musically, <laughs> I do, but I don't care what the audience thinks about me in that moment. I'm just like, I'm, this is a job that I have to do. And then singing in front of everybody is just an extra layer to that job. And you just kind of adapt to that situation after having done it so much, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. I, I strive to, to get there, Vicky. That's, um, I mean, yeah, I think, I, I don't know what's worse though, performing in front of few people or a lot of people. What What is it in your experience? What's, what's better or worse? <laughs> Uh, I think it gets to like, it's psychological. Like if you're only playing for like two people, you know, you're thinking for me, I'm thinking like, where the fuck is everybody else? <laughs> when did they come? Uh, but, uh, or, and then you just get over it. You're like, oh, well, two people are here. Someone's here. You know, that's kind of cool in its own. Um, and then playing in front of thousands of people, uh, I'm more concerned about sound. Mm. when that happens like does it sound good out there and does it sound good in my ears or in my monitors you know that's that's the only thing i care about is like i just want to be able to hear myself so that i can do a good job and that's it i know it sounds so <laughs> it sounds so underwhelming and i know like it's like oh my god i'm so nervous like nah it's it's the only way to get through a show is keep it keep your mind at a minimum as much as possible so you can put on a good show absolutely I think, um, you know, not to make it too much about this, but I think that's actually why a lot of people will, you know, drink or try and cut the, uh, you know, the nerves, right? So they can really focus on just getting in that zone, I guess. Um, but your album, um, Sweet Company, would you say, you know, you, you kind of touched on, you know, using your voice and, and that's a, a, a new thing uh, for you to develop. Was that, was Sweet Company kind of a good uh, a good way, a good journey of finding your voice, would you say? Yes, it was. It, I think the whole record was me figuring out what I was going to sound like, what I was going to write. That was the entire record. Wow. It's mm -hmm. so good, though. I mean, like, I love the, the combination of your voice and your and your songs and your production. It's just such a cohesive package. And I think you've done such a good job at that. So, yeah, congratulations. Thank Vicky. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too, uh, which was why I agreed to release it in the first place, was that finally, like, I figured out like a good balance between all of that, all of what you just said, uh, writing, producing, and then vocal production as well. So, yeah. Well, let, let's talk about that, actually, because um, I watched a really great interview with you and um, the person who put your record uh, out on, on his record label, Mac DeMarco, which was really cool. Um, also, 
quite stoked because he's also from Vancouver, well, Canada. Um, right. Actually, shout out to Gene, my partner. He's from Duncan, which is a very small part in, on Vancouver Island where um, my partner lived. So it's not very often we get to talk about Duncan in an interview, but um, <laughs> nice. um, I wanted to ask, yeah, you, he, so Mac DeMarco has a record label um, and he put out Sweet Company. What's, uh, what, can you tell us about how you guys met up or the story there? Sure. Uh, we met years ago, obviously before pandemic. Um, he was touring, I believe he was touring, he was doing Laneway Festival in Australia. And uh, Anderson Pack and the Free Nationals were also on the same bill. And I think they were kind of like taking turns, like headlining that tour or something like that. There was like a few of them, like the internet was there, Mac Miller was there, I believe. And they all met Mac at that same tour. And prior to meeting him, I think we were all like discovering who this Mac DeMarco guy was. He was just blowing up at this point. And um, so we didn't, you know, we didn't know until we, we met we met him, but they they met him on tour and I'm friends with Anderson and the guys. Um, and uh, at the end of their tour, they went back and hung out with Max. It was it was just like Max, one of those guys who you meet and you just become friends with and you just want to hang out with him all the time. He's he's <laughs> fucking cool. Um, and I was also on tour, not the same tour, different tour, came back home and they're like, hey, you got to come to Max's house. And this whole time I had been listening to his record without ever meeting him or any, or ever thinking about, oh, I'm going to meet this guy one day. Next thing you know, I'm invited to his house. And he was doing like um, in, in his studio, uh, he, he loves to just hit record. And like all of his musicians were there and we just like noodle around play. And he basically would just, you know, play producer and engineer and that was how we met like in in his spot that's such a cool and, way to work yeah. like just yeah. jamming out and i guess getting capturing moments like that hey Mhm. Mm yeah we did that quite a bit that summer like almost every single time like we we go to we'd hang out at his house and we'd just like play he so he has like thousands of like really stupid jams we did <laughs> really stupid <laughs> um but also there was there was a couple jams we did that he lost oh that were my favorite and <laughs> so it's gone forever i don't know what he did i don't know if that's like a logic pro thing i'm not talking shit but i'm just saying <laughs> 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 he lost it and and it's irretrievable like we can't find it it's gone oh uh, no. so I hate when that happens when when which never really happens anymore because like I mean I use Ableton Ableton backs up everything so you know whatever <laughs> uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah so that that was how I met him. I love this uh, DAW trash talk. I'm I'm here for it. Um, it's funny. Um, yeah. I already know everyone's gonna be like, this is what she's saying, blah blah blah. Oh no, we can't have that. <laughs> um, we definitely can't have that, but I know what you mean. That spontaneity. I mean, I think we, we, we talk about this a lot, um, me and my friends and the spontaneity and the randomness of coming up with ideas. And then the, the that's the worst thing to lose that kind of spontaneous magic. Right. And a lot of yeah. recording is, I mean, I've had, I've talked about this so many times with, with my friends about what recording is when you, when you're making a record or you're making a recording, you're trying to capture something, right? You're trying to capture a, a moment or a feeling and that's what that magic is when you and when you get it right it's just the best feeling right 
Yeah, it is. And then it just fucking hurts <laughs> you when you fucking lose it and can't find it anymore. I'm sorry, am I allowed to swear on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, if you're a kid and watching, please uh, maybe turn off or something. But um, I think all the people we yeah. got in here are, are the homies right here. Actually, I'm going to give a quick shout-out. We got Master Lee. Shout-out to uh, Master Lee and the Scamsterdam crew. We got Hits Danny from Phoenix. What up, Hits Danny? Um, NJ2AK. Yep. Ben, yeah, Mac DeMarco is from Vancouver. Um, and, yeah, we got Sonny James in the chat. So we got a couple friends in here. Um, and, yeah, um, I guess hey. we're just talking about... Um, about your, your record, um, I'm, I'm curious to know, did you use a lot of synthesizers, like hardware synthesizers when you made this record or are you in the box kind of person? Yeah, every keyboard synth sound that you hear, even some of kind of like the effect sounding stuff is all hardware synthesizer. I did a little, I, I did some in the box stuff, of course, um, just cause I did it by myself, I can't, you know, I'm not a drummer. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I did programs and stuff in the box, uh, but for the most part, yeah, everything was outboard, out hardware gear, um, just because I think it just sounds so good already. Yeah. Um, and I I used to use more like plugins, um, or or like just you know uh, whatever synth plugins um, they have not these days, but I and they sound fine. I'm not saying that they sound like shit but there's just something about real synthesizers that just already sound great and I, I try my best to keep them as dry as possible mm. uh, sometimes you can't help but you know you got to produce it out but uh, uh, but I that's what I like and I, I, I remember recalling uh, playing some of these songs to producer friends and just like producers I was working with at the time um, and a few of them have said, hmm, you like your sounds very dry. You're, you like your drums dry? You like your synths dry? I'm like, yeah, because I got nothing to hide. <laughs> I mean, True. I feel like, you know, I, I, and I know I felt like I've been talking shit this entire time, but I, that was the point of writing this record was like, I didn't, I didn't want to hide anything. I didn't want to hide, like, how shitty my voice sounds or whatever. If it sounds like shit, then it sounds like shit, you know? But um, I wanted to keep it as dry as possible and I think that had a lot to do with um having having been around Max so much and ah. his his last record um Here Comes the Cowboy uh, I remember when he was demoing it and then showing it to me while he was working on it he was like yep it's all dry you know like in his, <laughs> in his own way and I was like I kind of like that you know like I guess in post-production you can kind of like add a little bit of verb here and there you know but the writing process of it and then um, it's it's kind of cool to keep things bare uh, because that means you got to be a better writer. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to write better shit uh, for it to translate. Um, so yeah, there's there's not a lot of like uh, smoke and mirrors behind this record. It's it's all just pretty, uh, I think, uh, traditional writing. Like mm. you got your chorus, you got a verse, you got a bridge. You know. Um, and which, which I think made me write even better. Like I had to work harder as a writer than as a producer. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, if you don't mind, I'd really like to play one of your songs. Uh, it's my favorite one off the album. And I think it really gives a great illustration of not only your songwriting, but your production and, and your keyboard playing as well. 
Um, and I, I definitely want to find out, I'm going to ask a couple, I don't know, technical questions afterwards about some of the sounds you use, because I see you've got a, a bit of a stash of uh, some pretty cool synths oh, yeah. just sitting behind you there. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, let me just pull up. Um, this is the one I've been playing. It's on my playlist, and I, I've, I've been playing it like every day. It's so catchy, too. Like the, You've got such a great hook on here. Um, yeah, I love this song. So we're going to play Vicky Farewell's Are We Okay? So this is... Um, this is a single too uh, off the album, right? This uh, one of the singles. Yep. So let's go. So we can't go two verses. We're gonna try and keep it uh, legal on the on the Twitch stream here. Um, but yeah, shout out. Mac, Mac is working hard day and night, making sure no one's uh, leeching my music out like that. <laughs> so don't report us, Mac. Please don't. Um, and shout out, Danny. I'm so glad that you love this song so much because I do too. Um, and it's great to know that. Uh, yeah, great. You great to know that you appreciate it. And I think that like what you were talking about before, you were talking about how. Yeah, the songs are, they stand alone. Like, there's not, you're not overproducing it. There's not too much you're putting in. Everything has just fits in its right place. And I think that's such a really important part about music and songwriting. By stripping it back, uh, there's a certain, yeah, vulnerability, but also like very clear and direct uh, connection when, you, when, a, when an audience hears it. They can hear right away, you know, do they like it or not? Um, do they, are they getting the message? And I think you've done such a great job at that by just everything is in its right place. And that's makes what, what makes so much great music too, right? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. so yeah, can you tell me a little bit about the song specifically, the, the keyboards and the, the, the way you've, you've got the, the sections working together, the arrangement, man, it's, it's, really, it's really perfect. But yeah, as, what, what keyboards did you use if you don't mind me asking? Okay. <laughs> sure, I'll reveal my secrets. Uh, um, so I initial initially started this song on a Wurlitzer, and uh, and it's still there. It's in it's in the track. Uh, it's just like super effects out, you know, like chorus pedal and phasing phaser. I think it's a phaser I use, not a chorus. Um, and I actually recorded that part once through so like oh, wow. just improvising changes like um and uh i think that that night it was during like covid covid like no there was no cure no end in sight covid it was bad oh. 
And so none of us were happy during this time. Uh, so I was kind of writing a very sad song. And uh, I had written out that base of just just the Wurlitzer. And, um, and then I kind of built around that idea. So what you hear is my first and only take of, wow. of it. Which is fucking crazy because yeah. that doesn't happen all the time for me. Especially when it's already fully fleshed out like, hey, that's a verse idea and that's a pre-chorus idea. Too weirdo. Um, and that usually never, I mean, it kind of does happen here and there, but not that meticulously where it's like, hey, everything kind of fits here. Um, but I also thought, hey, this is really corny. No one's ever going to want to hear this. What? Uh, and, and so I kept it to myself for a very long time before I started, like, sh you know, uh, it, shyly, like, hey, what do you think of this, guys? You know, uh, I mean, just because I'm around a lot of dudes mm. and in the industry and dudes are always roasting each other, making fun of each other, any chance you can get. And it's all out of love. But it also creates this like feeling of like I'm scared to share with anybody because someone's gonna fucking make fun of me. Yeah. And which they have. I've had friends make fun of me before for these for this particular song. But overwhelmingly majority of people were like, This is fucking dope. You should write more. You should write a record, you know? So um anyway, I'm I'm also going off topic. But yes, going back to Wurlitzer. And then I layered that same Wurlitzer part on my OB6 over here, this, this guy. Um, I think I added some kind of like a like a synth, synth stabby uh, with like a really like a fat bass. It just sounds like really fat when you're playing the bass line. So it almost sounds like a Thundercat thing. Um, and that's why I liked it. I was like, oh, I kind of like being able to play synth and synth bass all at once. Mm. And so I layered, layered that on top. As you hear it especially during the chorus. Um, and then I added like some bells from my Mellotron, my little tiny oh. mini, the micro Mellotron. Oh, I love um, those. Oh man, I love the yeah. Mellotron. That's like one of the best keyboards of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, the the sample library is probably the best. Uh, I mean, I, I have the, the Arturia plugin that does similar Mellotron sounds, but I feel like the 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 hardware, like the one that they sell now, um, that sample library is legit. It's so freaking good. It's so <laughs> it just sounds good straight out of the box. You know, wow. that's why I keep I keep using these boards. Um so I did that and I think I also used like um uh, some uh the bass was probably one of the synth bases that I programmed in one of these boards. I think it was it might have been actually I, I used the Nord Nord um lead two X. That's like kind of like my secret. Oh yeah. That's now revealed. Sorry. Um and <laughs> but it's okay, I don't care because they're really hard to come by, so good luck. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, and for that reason, because it just sounds so good and it's poly, it's not just mono. Mm. Um and it just kinda emulates these like old Juno sounds pretty well. And and on top of it, you, like it's it's very responsive to the way you edit, and um, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome board. Um, and then uh, I think that's it. There was like a few layerings, like little little like synth pads and like a little string. And I, I definitely use the OB6 quite a bit on this on this particular song. That's um, the Oberheim OB6, right? 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. I love the bass on that too. The, the way that you're you're playing, especially in the when it changes to the the B section, the way the bass is moving, it's just exquisite. Thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I love talking about this stuff. I'm glad we can talk about it. I hope that people in the chat are enjoying this too, because um, I'm a big synth nerd, and I, I definitely get a lot of that from from the songs you've worked on and your album, and. Um, yeah, the one thing I, I think that you touched on, which is a really good point too, if, if people are interested in synths and, and plugins and the differences, and it's something that has come up in, in the past in conversations, is that synthesizers, like analog or you know physical synths, uh, it's easier to kind of find a good sound quicker, uh, quite quickly, and, and then be able to manipulate it to your liking. Um, I know that obviously you can save presets and things like that in software and get there quickly, but um, I do, I have, I guess that would be a, would that be something that you experience too, where you when you when you play an analog synth or a hardware synth, it's just kind of easier to get a sound quickly. Um, I think it's especially vintage analog. It's not easy to get those sounds quickly. You That's you true, have yeah. to like understand what you're doing or uh, how to work them. Um, but like the more modern analog synths, like um, you can actually save some of those pre's. Um, also, I he, I'm, I've been hearing that there's like a, like plugins are becoming so sophisticated that they they will oftentimes mimic like a certain uh, vintage synth and it'll show all the different dials in knobs and everything already. So if you find like a pre on that uh, on that particular synth that you really like, all you have to do is like literally take a picture of it and then like go back to your actual synthesizer and dial it in and it'll pretty much be the same fucking sound. Oh, so that's awesome. That's what I've heard. I don't I haven't done it yet. Uh, but <laughs> I know that there are some plugin companies out there that are, are doing something like that where they're emulating the you know, like a, a particular vintage keyboard. And then if you actually own one and you don't know how to like make certain patches sound good, then you can just find find it on the plugin and then like dial it in on your actual board and it's you you got a great sound that's but, awesome because um, that that's yeah. definitely like so its own that. language right like synthesis is almost like another part of understanding keyboards like just learning how to play the keyboard is like one skill but then understand like synthesizers it's so and... hard yeah i i still don't feel like i i know my way around them i i know my way around the boards that i have currently but um but I, I don't have a Juno, for instance, and so I'm not particularly good at, you know, uh, editing sounds and finding sounds I like. Um, but uh, but I, I think it's because like my, my strength is in my musicianship. That's that's where my my strength is in. But synthesizers are also really freaking cool and also damn expensive. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I do like having synthesizers synthesizers in my music just because it's like the sounds are cool and if you can figure out a way to write music well with these sounds like it's even better it's just like a a territory that's not often um it, it doesn't happen very often like hearing synthesizer music that is also extremely musically vibrant mm. doesn't happen often you just hear a lot of like beep boops a lot mm. of the time <laughs> which is fine you know yeah. right yeah right it was just fine but it, it kind of, it, it picks my ear when I hear someone being able to weave all of that together. I'm like, wow, you really understand all of it. 
-hmm. and then you're able to create something that's not too many people can do that's yeah totally that's like stevie wonder right there pretty much right exactly exactly like that's why he's the goat you know because <laughs> him and herbie like they can make synthesizers sing i think that's that's the biggest one for me is like if you can make your synthesizer sound like a human then okay it's over you know you can you can write anything i'll buy it well that was actually one of my questions i wanted to ask you is like yeah what who are some of the like real the 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 keyboard players that really inspired you as a as a keyboard player learned like making music writing songs and and the whole the whole thing uh so while i was writing these songs i was listening to a lot of um like uh like sound kind of soundtrack music um so mort garson got really big during during pandemic era or even before it uh with his plantasia record but that's right. i was listening to that that's a great record but i was also listening to some other some of other deep cuts he had like uh this is my beloved i think he also did that uh and uh just just like some weird weird shit he did i think he kind of did some like weird not heavy metal but <laughs> but but it sounds like heavy metal on in through synthesis you know so yep. i know what you mean. uh okay cool um so i was listening to a lot of him and i was also buying a lot of vinyl record during 20 like 2020 era i was buying a lot of just like records um just to explore different music i wasn't used to and then I was listening to a lot of Yuji Ono, who's a Japanese composer. Uh, he did a lot. He did, I think his most famous one is the the soundtrack to the Lupin the Third, uh, which oh. is an anime movie. Yep. He did the yeah he did the soundtrack to that, which is more orchestral and jazz, I believe. Uh, but he also did like a really sick like, I want to say space disco album. Uh, it's completely uh, instrumental, but it, it, there's a lot of synthesizers happening, but it's like a band with brass and strings. It's just this big wall-to-wall -wall sound. Uh, I'll listen to, uh, it's called Cosmos, I believe, is the name of the record. Oh, okay, I think I've heard this Cosmos record. I, I think it's been sampled by some hip-hop artists, too. It, it, it's, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's banging. That's a really good one. Yeah, yeah. Those, those are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of that it, and it's sad because like i i don't have the best taste in the world but it just takes that kind of particular type of music for me to get excited these days <laughs> like i need it <laughs> i need it to be so like i don't know specific and like well done in its own way for me to be like oh this is what i'm obsessed about i'm gonna it's like drugs for me you know like it's the only way i can get excited <laughs> anymore <laughs> Yeah, I mean, fair enough, though. The, the great thing is I feel like nowadays music discovery, it's hard because there's so much, but if you find something, it's quite, like a lot of it is, is accessible through, you know, various means, YouTube rabbit holes and so forth. And it's, I mean, that's, I still learn so much just from YouTube recommendations. Uh, you've got to be careful about mm -hmm. that. Of course, you know, the algorithm can steer you in weird places, but if you just like cool shit, it seems to always suggest some interesting Italo disco or like city pop or, you know, like, interesting ambient music it's really interesting right that's really cool though uh the plantasia record that came up kind of um my mom shout out my mom she wanted to buy that she said i think you'll like this record and i i was like i don't know I don't, 
You know. The algorithm got to your mom. <laughs> right. Reached your mom. That's crazy how that that album just exploded. All out of, I'm sure I don't know if Ward's still around, but his estate is very happy, I'm sure. Yeah, but it was cool. Like the story I know they've reissued that record quite um quite it's like you can go onto like the Plantasia website and, and buy their vinyl um these days and they got all these different versions of it. But it's really interesting. That more I'm if I'm not wrong, is from a part of Canada where my mom is from, so that there's like not to make this about me, but there's this really interesting like story with my mom liking this this artist that happens to be from the same part of Canada that she was born. And I was like, this is crazy, but uh, it's not very often you get like virtuoso synth players from this part of the of the world, but they can come from anywhere. Right. Um, so um, so speaking of uh, synths, I want to keep on this for a little bit. Um, were there um, were there any synth albums outside of the, the Plantasia ones that were really inspiring to you? Or you'd recommend to somebody who wants to get into synths? Um, let's see. I think it's called, uh, it, it's like a, another, uh, oh dear, what is it called? I think it's called the, this, is it called This Boy? The Hiroshi Sato record? Okay. That one's bomb. It's the one with um, Say Goodbye. Yes. Oh, that's the jam. I think it's called This Boy. Yeah, that, that one I was obsessed with for a really, really long time. Uh, and uh, so from time to time, I still listen to it just, just to hear the production of it again. And just, oh, it's so great. Uh, I really like that one. I don't, I don't know if that counts as a synth record. but Oh, um, Absolutely. Let's let's okay, play cool. that song. Let's let's for people who don't know the song. I also want to give a quick shout out. Um, she's not in the chat right now, but my friend Nina Mendoza. It was the first person who put me onto this song, and it's it's such a jam, and it's great to see how this song has just become kind of like a internet song. You know, like it's a, like again one of those things mm. that you know. It did, yeah. You'll 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 hear about it eventually if you don't know. And there's people that have done loops and slowed it down and all these sorts of things because it's just such a beautiful song. But and, and there's actually some parallels the way you know the way you compose your your songs the arrangement it's beautiful it's fantastic so anyways without me yapping on about it too much let's just play Hiroshi Saito's uh, say goodbye this is the jam <laughs> taste of, of it but if you do get a chance to listen to the full song which i highly recommend as well um not vicky but anyone in the chat um there is an incredible solo at the end of it as well like this the most shredding solo it's so good <laughs> i also want to uh say um another synth record uh 
if literally any video game soundtrack in the early 90s <laughs> and on um i'm i was listening to a lot so i was listening to a lot of like a final fantasy 7 soundtrack final fantasy 9 soundtrack final fantasy 10 <laughs> all the ps P, for the most part P, playstation 1 playstation 2 era games uh, i was listening to a lot and uh and all of that is super fucking cool i still listen to i want to i want my next record to be that like that era like workstation sounds i want it to sound like a workstation <laughs> record so i love it yeah all the digital synths and stuff right yeah dude i'm crazy about it i'm crazy about it right now gotta bust out that dx7 um we got some we got some cool people in the chat too shout out knowledge um it's funny that we're Yay. talking about video games because knowledge i just recently got the the street fighter 2 soundtrack placement which is really cool oh hell yeah congrats yeah. Uh, sorry street fighter i don't know which version of knowledge but i'm sure it's uh, one of the cool cool ones um but um actually we had devin morrison on last week and he was talking about how he really wanted to to um to write video game soundtracks too so uh, it's it seems to be a theme right now, which is really cool. And we're on Twitch, gaming platform, and so forth. You know? Yeah. I don't uh, know if I could write. I, I could score a video game, but I am definitely influenced by video games in general. But do you yeah. do you play cool. do you game? Is that is that a thing that you're into? No, I'm a weirdo. So I don't play, but I enjoy watching. So I'm very happy that you can watch these great players on Twitch and stuff, you know? Um, so I do watch a few gamers that I like. And uh, I only because I grew up with with my brother and he plays a lot still. Um, and just growing up, I've always watched him play. And that's kind of been my only thing because I, I suck at it. I have no skills. <laughs> my, like, hand-eye coordination. And I can play piano, but, like, for some reason I can't. Like a Super Mario game, Super Mario gives me anxiety. Like I just, I'm just gonna die. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was always into like I only ever had a, a PS1 and a PS2, but yeah, I was more more into like the skateboarding games or like uh, there's this one game, I can't remember what it's called, but you're like a you you're just um you're walking around with a ball and it just collects things. You know what I mean? Like I can't remember the name. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I I remember that game. Yeah. I'm sure somebody in the chat's yeah. like, oh yeah, we know what that is. Um, it looks I like know, we've right? also got um, some more people joining the chat. Shout out Lou Diamonds. Shout out Daco Aris. Thank you, Daco Aris. For the, we got a raid. I think we've got some people coming in from low key. So shout out everyone who's raiding in. Tricks a million. The Real in here. Thank you guys for joining us. D Real. It's great to have the Good Music Twitch fam here. Uh, so we're talking to Vicky Farewell here. We're just talking about some synth stuff. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of some of the incredible credits that you've got um when i was uh doing some research for this interview i pulled up your discogs and I, i'm oh, like, fuck. it's crazy it's so <laughs> crazy let me just show you guys what we're looking at here we got a lot of we got a lot of credits here um some really incredible artists that you work with channel trace paul mccartney we got <laughs> anderson puck of course uh free nationals um mild high club I feel like we should definitely like go on a, a bit of a, a journey here and, and talk about uh, some of these these incredible artists that you've worked for. I mean, some of the songs you, you wrote for um, on Anderson Pack's records are some of my favorites on the records. Um, can you talk about how you you all met up or the, how you guys started doing music together? Yeah, uh, I met him before any of us 
were even where we are today. Uh, we were just poor, broke musicians <laughs> figuring out our lives. And uh, I met him through my friend Kelsey, who plays bass for the Free Nationals. Um, uh, cause at the time he was still under a different name. He wasn't Anderson Pack yet. And was he was, uh, Breezy Lovejoy. Yeah. yeah. Breezy Lovejoy. <laughs> it's going to haunt him forever. I just know it. But, uh, so yeah, he was working on that and he was, I think at the time he was always like a drummer. Like he was just a musician, played drums only. And then I think he's, that was when he started to want to be an artist and, um, so they were all thinking, oh, we gotta, we gotta write, we gotta bring in a, a keyboardist. And so that, and Kelsey and I had just met around that time. And so I was like, oh, I know this girl Vicky, she's awesome. And uh, I came into the studio, and I feel like that year we were inseparable. Like me, Kelsey, Breezy, and Jose, who also plays uh, guitar for the Free Nats. Uh, the four of us were were always in the studio <laughs> and writing music, uh, just thinking we were the hottest shit ever. <laughs> but, you know, undiscovered, no one knew who we were, that kind of thing. But it was just like a really foundational time in our lives. And that that was my first um, exposure to like production. Like I, I didn't think I would ever get into studio work or production at all uh, until I met these guys. Uh, and then slowly, you know, next thing you know, Malibu comes out and we're not nominated. And it didn't hit me until like, I say, I want to say 2017 was when, was when it hit me that, Hey, I should probably take this more seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's insane. What, what, what would you say? What's your favorite song that you've, you've written for Anderson or being part of with the the free nationals or, or Anderson? Um, I'm going to have to go and celebrate. I want to take it back to Malibu. Uh, we, we wrote that song separate from each other. So like during, we didn't write it for Malibu. I was surprised when it made it onto Malibu in the first place. I was like, really? You know, cause it was such a long time ago that we wrote this. Um, but I remember him wanting to write something that was like, Dirty projectors sounding oh. and Billy Joel sounding into one song. <laughs> and that was like the only reference he gave me. And then I, I wrote out the chords at home and I sent it to him and he kind of put drums to it. And then and eventually like I sat in the studio and redid all the parts with him. And uh, I would say that's my favorite one just because it was probably like one of the last few songs we did together that was like just me and him, you know, and uh, which is fine, you know, it's it's just like really cool to have had that moment together and just be like, oh wow, this is a cool song. Well, let's let's just play a, a bit of that. I feel like um, for those of us, for those of you who haven't heard this album, this is actually one of my favorite albums of, of Anderson Pack's too. Oh um, yeah, me too. So, so let's run it real quick. You're there or not there All you ever need 
it was a simple plan But you're doing well I mean you're not dead So let's celebrate While we still can I know what they say I can give That's a care right, They talk so much on me I must be doing something right I saw my son today In the likeness of a full grown man So I'll celebrate While I still can Ooh, on a day day You can see West LA Even downtown I remember when I couldn't even see the point Of stepping out the motherfucking house Let it go, let it go, let it go Let it go, let it go, let it go Let it go, let it go have to leave it at that um but this is so cool to hear um i, I think it's really it's really great because i love it listening to your album loving what you've done with sweet company you can really hear there's a there's a real character to your sound the way you use harmony uh and you and can construct you know song structure it's uh it's real it's like a telltale sign it's like that sounds like vicky it's really cool thank you um so when you're when you're when you're writing these songs, I can hear also that it's really great that you mentioned um, the dirty projectors and this Billy Joel reference because I've never heard it like that. And the more I think about it, I'm like, yeah, I can hear what you're talking about. I can hear this, the kind of some references and definitely in the production. Um, yeah, so. uh, yeah, that was that was fun. I mean, that's my interpretation of that reference. You know, I mean, it might not sound like that for other people, but <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then, yeah, you worked with Channel Trez and, and Paul McCartney. Let's talk about this Paul McCartney record, because it did come up in your NME interview with uh, Mac DeMarco, which I was really interested in. So you, you, you kind of touched on it, but I didn't get the full story. So I'm curious, curious to know, like, tell me about this Paul McCartney, the song that you worked on with him. Okay, so this was also, I want to say, like, winter of 2020. I got a FaceTime from Anderson at like i don't know like 11 p.m at night again covid you know no cure no nothing and this this guy's like hey you want to do a paul mccartney remix and i'm like what the fuck this is like the weirdest shit i've ever gotten from him and i'm like okay sure <laughs> and and he's like who should we get you know who should who should we get and i'm like i don't know i don't know and we're just like naming off people like should we get bass players should we get guitar player i was like oh fuck let's get mac he's perfect for this and uh and of course we both show up right away to the spot to breezy studio and uh and then i guess like we're remixing all of a sudden we're remixing the song together i've never met paul uh never you know we like we were I think Breezy and was were talking with like his people kind of back and forth type thing. Um, and we just kind of did it that night, all night long until the morning. And then I think for the next several days, we were kind of like just nitpicking it and Mac was adding more stuff to it. Uh, but we were under the impression that I was like, we're during pandemic, man. We're never going to meet Paul McCartney like this. <laughs> but also at the same time very surreal like what paul mccartney kind of knows i exist or at least you know uh has heard me in some kind of capacity but 
it's still really fucking cool. But no, I never, I never got to meet him or, or talk to him or anything like that. I think, I think, uh, I think there was supposed to be like a, a Zoom meeting that we were all gonna be a part of, and and you know, because he wanted to say thank you personally. Uh, but it was just like such a chaotic time that it, these these things don't tend to happen during that time. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, that was how it. It was very bizarre and surreal. And when it came out, I was like, oh, okay, it came out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that's the way it is with the music industry too, right? You don't know how things are going to be sometimes if they're going to come out, how they're going to do. It's a lot of uncertainty, right? Right. The uncertainty is is the. I I don't know if I'll ever get used to that. I don't think I don't you. Could, I don't think it's human. It's, no one should. No, I guess. I mean, and and now, I mean, I've been in the industry for a while, but only as like someone in the background. I was never like the forefront person, but now that I am, and like having felt all the emotions I felt already around you know becoming an artist and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is why people do drugs. This is why people <laughs> become addicts because it's so hard to get used to this. I'm still learning. I'm not an addict or anything. I'm not I know of, but uh, it's just like, fuck, it's hard to navigate the ups and downs and, you know, the crazy, the crazy uncertainty of it all is, is really, really bizarre. It's very, it's not normal. I don't think we're designed to get used to this. Like, I think it's just not normal. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really, it's really good that you, you talk about this and it does come up from time to time, you know, um, and you see it, you know, it's a recurring story in the music industry. Um, and I wonder, like, yeah, you, you know, you talk about being vulnerable, you talk about, you know, like, when you're writing music, when it's your name, when it's your creation, and I think that changes it even, like you said, even more. I can only imagine that, yeah, a lot of people would, would go to drugs and things like that. Do you, but do you think there's uh, more narrative or more vocabulary to discuss this within the music industry or just a more of an understanding within the music industry that those peaks and valleys are so extreme that, you know, is there like a support group or, you know, any kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? I would love for there to be a support group. Uh, uh, artists, I, I feel like artists tend to be friends with each other just because we, we like understand what we're going through. You know, I, I'm not at the caliber yet where I can have all my friends are artists and you know, I still have like all of my close friends I've always had. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, but it, it is kind of hard just because it's like, we don't really work for anyone. Mm. It, there's no like, I mean, yeah, there are like managers and assistants and labels and all that, but it, it still feels like you're not really working for someone. You're not sure who you're working for, you know? And as a result, there's no like, there's no proper like holding for like, hey, this is where you go if you need psychological help, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's no, mention of that anywhere you kind of have to just like try to find someone but even then it's like not everyone is equipped enough to be able to handle like helping you at in this way because they don't understand what what it's like to like put yourself out there for thousands and thousands of people to see and criticize or what or love you or whatever you know like it's it's such a odd way to live i'm sure now there there's like more of that you know just because la is so big and there's more of us who are you know influencers or or uh, uh, uh or famous I, i'm sure there's like more of an understanding for it but wherever it is it's really hard to find and expensive so i don't 
I don't know who to turn to. Usually I, I turn to like my friends, like Mac or whoever, you know, and, and I'll, I'll text them and be like, is this normal? Is this feeling normal? You know, like, and they're like, yeah, it's normal. It's normal. Like, don't worry about it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, a couple of people we've talked to on this show actually have, have talked about mentorship being really helpful for that. And that sounds like a similar relationship you have with Mac where he's kind of done some things and can give you some like advice on how to get through right. that. But in, in similarly, like, you know, the friends that you mentioned that you've had, you know, your whole life, you know, those relationships must be so helpful and important to you. But I imagine that as you get famous, those relationships become strained as you start living in this kind of very unconventional world, as Loki has mentioned in the chat. You know, it's like you're doing a different schedule. You're doing things. There's no human resources in the music industry. There's no human resources. No, I was just going to say that. Yeah. There's no HR, yeah. you know, so you're... <laughs> I needed that tattooed on my face, like something. <laughs> no HR in the music industry. Just, just so I don't forget that I'm not the only one, you know? <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah. But, you know, the relationships with your childhood friends and things like that, I mean, yeah, that, that's, I feel like those are the ones that really keep you grounded. In fact, you know, I know a lot of the people that watch this show are DJs and they might be able to relate to this, but, you know, when I was working as a DJ full-time at nights and stuff, it was almost like I really wanted to invest the most time into the people that had regular nine-to-fives so that I knew what reality was like in a lot of ways. Because even just working in clubs or something, you know, working and gigging, uh, that's a very weird world in a lot of ways you know like people that go to clubs usually aren't yeah. always in the best state of mind you know they're some, sometimes they're trying to run away from things from you know they're newly single and they're dealing with all these kind of relationship issues and parenting issues or they're you know that, that's unfortunately a lot of the places where people will go to experience music and run away from things so I was mm -hmm. always like very intentional about making sure that I had friends and relationships with people that were very grounded and you know for lack of a better word, nine to fivers, you know, or, you know, because they kind of could give me perspective, you know, and I think sometimes those, those people, those friends keep you kind of focused on like what's real sometimes, right? They do, but it, it's like a weird uh, balance of it all because you, you still want the, their input, you know, to keep you like sane, but then sometimes you got to go towards like the artist people and, and to get, inspiration and, and just to, to feel like like you're not alone in this way of thinking you know like that you you can still connect to others just like yourself but then sometimes that gets a lot too so i feel like it's the ebb and flow of of both types of friends um and i'm i'm not at a place where i know what to do yet so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still i'm i'm still in the early like stages of like okay what kind of artist am I again? Like what kind of, you know, I still don't really know exactly where I belong. Like, am I a pop artist? Am I indie artist? Am I a, you know, R and B artist? It's just kind of like, I'm all over the map. And that's, that's always been my uh, personality as it is. Like my friendships have always been very mixed, like different types of people all the time. So like my, my artistry kind of reflects that as well. So it's just this ongoing feeling of like, Oh, I just want to stay in one spot, but I don't know what it is. You know, like, I'm not sure what it is yet. Well, I think you've so, done yeah. a great job of that, though, with the album. You know, I love that there's, there's, so, there's a lot of different variety on the album, and, and, it, and it, it kind of, like, I can hear that. You know, I can really hear that. Uh, and I think that's a really great thing to embrace, too, and I, I, know I understand what you mean. Like, um, 
the the music industry often tries to kind of commodify or like brand you as a thing, right? Like they want to put you in a box, and uh, and sometimes those boxes aren't really flexible enough, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, and and obviously, you know, you've played on on albums with artists that are very genre. They, you know, it's hard like Anderson or Mac. You know, it's actually really quite hard. Both those artists that I I love, love and listen to. It's hard to really put my finger on exactly what they do. Sometimes they do folk music. Sometimes they do electronic music. Sometimes they do rap music. Sometimes they do R and B. You know, it's it's yeah. What is it exactly? But does it really matter? You know, it's just good, right? Right. Yeah. It it is. I will say that like being signed to Mac is is awesome. Uh, uh, they didn't pay me to say this, but uh, <laughs> uh, he because he. Uh, um, sorry if my dog's whining really loudly. That's okay. She's, yeah, she's, she... she's still a puppy, so oh. just, you know. Uh, but uh, he has definitely given me all the creative freedom and everything I've written, all of it, even if it's corny or not, it doesn't matter. He's he's just like, it's all it's just do you. Just be real. And I really enjoy that about him because I have worked with other people who who are just like, no, that's not it. You got to like do this. You got to pick one or the other, you know, like and but he's always been very like uh, uh, supportive of like whatever the fuck it is that I want to do. And that that is very it's very nice to feel like accepted for who you are i think that's really what it comes down to you know so and it's a very nourishing environment as an artist to like feel like oh i accept you for who you are that's it that's probably going to get you the best results though in the end right that freedom that creative freedom and that support right like not once did he say this should be the single (laughs) you know or this shouldn't be a single or whatever, like not once, not even like a, a like a, a smirk or any any sign of, you know, anything. He's just like, what's the single? All right. You know, it's just Mac being Mac. Because I, I think he, from his own personal experience with dealing with like whatever, you know, I don't know specifics of it, but I know like he's experienced, he's had some issues with like what should be the single or what not, what shouldn't, you know, so I... So I think I, I'm very appreciative of him just allowing me to have that control over what I want to put out and what I want to write about and how I want to produce. And I feel like had I signed with someone else or a different label or something, it would have been, okay, you got to redo this whole record or something. Oh, you know, yeah. I've terrible. seen that happen so many times where it's like certain artists I have worked with or have said like, yeah, like I had to completely redo this record that I've already finished. And I'm like, ah, that sucks. That really sucks. That's so good to hear though, that Mac is providing that space and, and, and yeah, we get, we, we, we all reap the benefits. Um, Speaking of singles though, I do feel like we should play Kakashi. Um, That is a single and you've got a video for that. So, um, We'll just, and that way, if you need to quickly say hi to, to, to your pup, by all means, feel free. I'm just going to play this video. Uh, not all of it, but some of it. <laughs> well, we can. Mac, don't take us to, to court, please. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Kakashi by Vicky Farewell um, off her latest album, Sweet Company. Check it out. Gets me like you Oh no 
probably cut it there before Mac takes us to court um, <laughs> but this is a great video too was this shot um, in LA uh, Calabasas oh flex. yeah we found we found a secret secret little spot in Calabasas and all in one yeah all in one day it's really nice um, can mm -hmm. you tell us a bit about about the song and, and what it means sure uh, I was binge watching Naruto during pandemic. Everything was written during, done and conceived during pandemic. Uh, and uh, I had watched Naruto before, but I didn't finish it because I was too ashamed to uh, admit that I was into anime. You know how, I don't know. There, there was like a whole, there was a whole thing when Naruto got big again in during pandemic. And now everyone's like out of the closet. Yeah, I'm an anime fan, I'm an anime fan. <laughs> Uh, but I was ashamed of it. Yes, I know. I'm ashamed of being ashamed of it. And uh, <laughs> so I finally finished Naruto and not even finished. I haven't hadn't even finished Shippuden yet. And that was when I wrote Kakashi was like somewhere. I forget which arc of Shippuden. One of the like the thousands of episodes I had already watched. And I was like, I kind of want to write a song about this character who is told of goat just the best fucking anime character ever <laughs> and uh i wrote it in one one session like i wrote the whole thing in one session it's not a very complicated song it's just fun you know and, and i did it in the moment and uh i had just bought my roads and uh and i was and i was like and i was so blown away by the sound of my roads that i that's like it's a very bare song. It doesn't sound bare just because the production is very wide, but um, the the roads fills it up mm. in a way where it's it sounds like there's more things going on, but there isn't. It's just a very kind of trio sounding song, um, and uh, yeah, and just a very puppy love type of song to a character that doesn't even exist. So. <laughs> I love I love it though I love the sounds um, and I I feel like that song is going to translate so well to a live performance you know and uh, do you do you plan on touring the like I, I assume you're you're planning on touring the record but have you had a chance to to, to tour the record or play the record out uh, as, with a band yet? Uh yeah I played I played a show uh, about oh I played an album release show like on the day it released I opened for my friend John Carroll Kirby in oh, wow. L A. Stonestraw, yeah. right? He's on Stonestraw? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. Great. That's a great synth record right there. All his stuff is amazing. Um, 
And uh, so I got to play with a full band uh, there. And so that was cool. Uh, I have, but it gave me an idea of what I really, what I want to sound like in the future when, once I get it dialed in, but I will be playing another show in LA on June 30th at Zebulon. And eventually I'll, I'm also touring with Mac. I'm opening for him in August. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So I, I plan on doing some extensive touring as well in the future. Is Um, that tour North America or global? Where like? Just California. We're going like up up to Northern California and back. Just playing like eight eight shows, I believe, during that whole run. Um, yeah. And I saw also on your Instagram, uh, to, I think today uh, you've got a show on the twelfth of June as well. Is that right? Yes, that's that's going to be like a smaller set at a it's it's at a Permanent Records Roadhouse. They ha- they have like a bar that's also a record store and then also a venue. Kind of cool little like in-store signing and short set. Uh, so I'm, I'll be signing some records if, it, if people want to come out there and support. That'd be cool. Yeah, and you can get the Sweet Company vinyl. It's You've got vinyl, right, um, on your band mm-hmm. camp. So um, yeah, hit, hit Vicky's band camp. It's really straightforward, vickyfarewell.bandcamp.com. So if you need to grab it. I've got the link uh, so you can listen to the whole album in the chat too. If you just, uh, you'll see it's, Link to her Instagram and a link to the listen, the, so you can listen to the album on whatever streaming service you want. Um, I do have a, a couple more questions, and I, I forgot to ask you when we were talking about Paul McCartney, but I really wanted to ask you about songwriting and and the Beatles, obviously, and you know, probably one of the most celebrated songwriters, along with Stevie Wonder. Um, working, knowing that you've done this song with Paul McCartney, how influ- influential was Paul McCartney on your songwriting? Um, I think I, I wasn't thinking about Paul <laughs> like <laughs> while writing this, but I I listened to so much of him and the Beatles during college when I was in college that I feel like that during that time I, I was laying down the foundation of my like musicianship and writing anyway, so that I feel like a lot of it and CV like a lot of it just is a part of me now where it's like you know it's it's become a part of me and paul has a very distinct way of writing music where it's it's just traditional writing like it's not how do i put this it's it's like uh it's a very clear this is a very clear cut verse and then the hook is going to be and it's going to create a lot of like a a lot of tension to where when you finally get to the hook, it's just going to be this beautiful release of, and it's just bliss when you get to the hook. And that's kind of how I, I feel about Paul's writing. And um, that's how I want to write music forever. Like I just, I want to be able to write music in that way. And it's so hard to do because it's it's just not easy. It's not easy to do. And uh, I'm not there yet, you know, I'm not there to his level. Um, but that's that's kind of how I envision the way he writes music is like, creating a beautiful storyline but then it also musically it creates a lot of tension and then release tension and release i feel like that's that's how i see it there's um have you seen the there's a the making uh, a record of a move uh, what is it on uh it's one of the streaming services i think it's disney or something where they break down them making uh they're getting ready for the performance for the the rooftop performance i'm really gapping terribly on the details here i'm sorry but 
he, there's, he's writing Get Back. There's this one part where he's writing Get Back um, in this series, and it's totally raw, you know, just like hearing him like jamming away on the, on the Hohner bass, and he's just like just coming up with these ideas. And it was really fascinating um, hearing you talk about how, you know, you wrote this, both Kakashi and Are We Okay, kind of like, and right away, just like you had this kind of instinct and you got, you got it done. And I, I wonder what, you know, what it is about creation when it's like kind of so, it just happens like that. You know, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it sounds to me like there's like this sort of instinct that you're trusting. Do you know what I mean? And yes, you're able totally to do. I think that's the, the key right there is, especially if you can accompany yourself on an instrument, that's, that's generally where it comes from. And, and a lot, a lot of times people, a lot of sessions I've done is we go straight to the DAW. Like everything mm. starts on the DAW. Uh, there's, there's a drum groove or a beat that starts and then you write on top of it and then you just keep layering, you know, and then the artist comes in, whatever. And that's kind of in a nutshell how a lot of sessions I've been doing are, are being done, which is cool. But then there's also this, you know, before digital, did the digital production age like you you had to write the song first mm. before you come into the session otherwise you're just kind of wasting time at the session <laughs> trying to figure out a song so yeah. someone like paul is probably like just coming up with these hooks by himself for whatever reason like writing a song about john lennon's son you know writing a song about whatever it is he's going through um, or experiencing or observing. And I think that's, that's where that's something that I relate to highly because uh, like the Kakashi song was, I want to write a song about this character. I really like, I'm going to figure it out. And it always starts at the piano or keyboard instrument. It always starts there first before I touch anything else. Um, and also, you know, it's in my mind, like I'll hear the hook in my head and, you know, thankfully I'm, I'm a good, enough mission to figure it out and I can I already know what it's going to sound like I already know what the chords are and then I just keep doing it on the keyboard and it, and it comes it just comes out because it's like a muscle like the more you write and that's one of the biggest uh best advice that I've gotten from Anderson was like asking him how do you write so fast You're like how do you write songs how do you write three songs in one day so fast wow. and he's just like I just practice a lot and that's like anything really you just gotta keep keep do doing it and and it it does come really fast and naturally because you you know what you want and instead of telling someone who's better than you at it to hey this is what i want but then you you can't communicate it to them because you don't know how to execute it yeah. but if you practice it and do it yourself it just comes out it's kind of crazy how how that happens that's really good advice though i, I like that and I, I think it's really important for us for anyone who who wants to do it, it's, it's, it's like it's like exercise in a in a way. And I and I I have to say that yeah, you know, even my even when my own experience using DAWs, which is kind of primarily how I write music, though, is is almost like the routine of doing it more frequently makes me better at it. I mean, it seems like so obvious, but it's actually just kind of knowing that even like even if you're making something that's subpar or you're not really super happy with it, you're like just kind of like at peace with it, knowing that it's part of the process of eventually you're going to get something good. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. <laughs> it can't be terrible forever. You know what right. I mean? Like, right. Like, 
it, it doesn't really matter like what you start your idea on wh whether you use the doll first or not it doesn't matter just wherever you feel the most comfortable and and it, it's you're you're going to create something that's unique to yourself once you get really good at all the technical shit out of the way get that shit out of the way you know yeah. so that way it just comes and you know exactly what to put in it's, it's kind of strange how and like, i talked about this with mac in that interview where we're just like yeah it's just like oh you know, once you once you get it dialed in it's like that's that's like a a weird way of like calling of like it's it's just like a weird high you know it's like a chase like i'm always going to look for that moment in every song i make from now on like it, that moment needs to happen every single time that's that's it that's totally true that i know exactly what you mean it's uh it's the it's the high it's the drug it's the drug of music it is oh no um <laughs> i also get a people. I also get a high, though, from discovering other amazing pieces of music. And we were just talking about Paul. And if you don't mind, I'd really like to play you one of my favorite songs by Paul McCartney specifically. Um, sure. I'm sure you probably know it. Um, but if anyone doesn't know it and they're in the chat, this is a jam. It's not a Beatles song either. And it was sampled by Erica Badu. Um, All right. Yeah, I know this one already. <laughs> so this is uh, Arrow Right Through Me by Wings, which is Paul McCartney's project with his wife, Linda. Uh, Ooh, baby, you couldn't have done a worse thing to me If you'd have taken an hour and run it right through me I'm just going to quickly yeah. jump to the breakbeat part because we're here. Why not? <laughs> it's incredible, that loop. Listen to that for hours. It's so good. I know. He is... I I heard I definitely heard the uh, Badu version before I heard the Wings version. Sadly, yeah, same. Uh, well, I mean we're a different generation. Yeah. Okay, don't don't get it all up in arms. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and her version was fucking cool. I was yeah. like, oh, this is so great. And then I look in like who produced this? I got to see. And then I see it. it's a sample too. I'm like, oh man. And then when you hear the actual song, it's just like. Uh, and then you hear like the like, like damn, Paul. Yeah. What were you doing? What were you thinking about in that moment? You psychopath. Like that's so <laughs> crazy. That's what I mean. It's like, it's it's like not predictable, but it, it's not totally out of the realm of this this song. You know, it's just like damn. Like I would. That's that my ear just. Typically, like that's what I—that's why I listen for every single time. Something that's like captures me as like yes, it's something that I would never think to do, but this person does it, and I'm like, damn it, I want to write. I wish I wrote that song. You know, I wish I wrote that. <laughs> but that moment in that that moment, you were just looping. It's like yeah, that's gold. It's just fucking gold. 
I have to say though, Vicky, and really, I, I really mean this. I think that you do the, that thing so well that you're talking about, especially the songwriting part. And it, I mean, that's the reason why I think you're on all these albums and you've got your album. It, it, I hear these things and I, I was instantly like, that was, as a fellow musician, I instantly was like, man, Vicky's got something. She really knows this stuff. Like you can really hear it. And it's, it's so refreshing to hear this. And I, and I say that not because I'm not trying to, again, I'm not trying to, just any other styles of music, I love them all, but you know, I listen to a lot of rap music and a lot of pop music doesn't have a lot of this, I guess, really interesting harmony that you, you, you include in your music. And it's just so, uh, it's so rich and it really, it's inspiring. It's, it's really lovely. So thank you, Vicky. Thank you, appreciate that. That's very sweet of you to say. Um, I have a very important question. We ask every guest that comes on our show this question and it's always a really lovely answer to hear what, how people answer it. So the question is, what does the power of music mean to you, Vicky? Oh, power of music. Um, it is definitely has, I feel like it's definitely, uh, I don't know how to say it without sound cliche. Uh, it doesn't matter. I guess it's the moment. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's, it's definitely been there for me at, the lowest of lows in my life like it's it's always been there for me uh when i needed it to be there or i needed something there you know where where you're just not feeling good about your life or just anything at the moment and uh i always forget that there's really incredible beautiful music out there and once i come back to it like i, I feel like i have this stash of like this is this is where you should go back to when you feel like shit someday. Yeah. Um, because it, it always, without fail, brings me back to life. Like, it always does. Um, so I, I would say that's the power of behind good music, is that it, it gives you back your vitality in some kind of strange, inexplicable way. Yeah, that's totally it. I'm, I'm not to, you know, make it sound corny but it's almost like it's the best antidepressant out there yep it is <laughs> it's, it's so worked good. for me way better than than most drugs i've taken in my day oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> i feel you i feel you um so um we should probably wrap this up pretty soon i appreciate all your generous uh time today uh vicky i just wanted to ask oh, um, yeah. outside of the album um you talked about um you're going on tour with Mac, uh, and 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 you've got some shows coming up in California. Um, but what else have you got coming up this this year? I'm working on an East Coast tour right now, uh, probably in the fall. We have already have some some dates that we've locked down. I can't really say what they are yet, but definitely in the fall, hopefully like September ish. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm not really writing a new record, but I am kind of like exploring options right now uh to to eventually work on a new record uh but then that's it yeah the mac tour and uh potential uh, uh upcoming east coast tour that we're we're working on right now awesome i do have one question from the audience that i'd like to uh, ask you as well uh dj devastator mm -hmm. asked um how did you learn to play piano um i took classical piano lessons when i was a kid uh, I, I begged my parents for lessons and they 
wouldn't let me have lessons until I wouldn't stop asking. And then that was how I started. Uh, it was really church. It was, it came from church. A lot of musicians came from church. Um, and that, that really influenced me. I think any kid, if you expose kids to like live music, they're going to want, they're, most of them are going to want to do something about it. Um, so, yeah. That's a really interesting uh, point though, because the church gospel music, man, it's so tied into R&B specifically mm -hmm. or the gospel chorus mm -hmm. it's almost like that's a school in itself you know you could just study gospel and and church music and get such a good foundation and harmony specifically right that that was uh the initial draw was harmony i like to be a, a kid in the 90s uh and being aware of what harmony was in like in a weird way that's kind of fucking weird like what kind of kid <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, I, I like this. I think that's harmony, you know, like it was like, it was so cool to like finally play chords, you know, like try, try to learn your favorite stuff on the piano and just be like, wow. So I think my, the earliest like uh, love for music was harmony and wanting the need to like explore the range of like what you can do with that, you know, is, is, yeah how it started the curiosity all of that i mean it is it's almost limitless i, I follow um this is probably a weird thing to say but I, I follow a lot of keyboard things on tiktok like i, I, mm -hmm. I i'm on tiktok and i'm that's my algorithm sends me all these really great this is how you do this chord inversion this is you know these substitutes and you know this voice scene and these chords and it's so it's like i'm not very good at harmony so like i'm very basic like sevenths ninths and you know, maybe switch the root note out, nothing complicated. And these guys are just showing me the craziest jazz voice scenes. And I'm just like, wow, this just never ends. Like it's just infinite, you know? Right. It never ends. And the hard part is like putting together like the right, the right progression. That's the hardest part. Cause you can still use all, all the stuff that you just said, you know, that's, that's still complicated. It still fucking drives me crazy, <laughs> you know, inversions and shit. But, uh, but, Putting them, them all into the sequence is like the hardest part, totally. but also extremely, extremely gratifying once you get it. It's the yeah. best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Vicky, um, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, before we go, would there be if you could recommend a Stevie Wonder song to somebody for somebody to listen to, what would be the your your, your best Stevie Wonder recommendation? Ooh, what's that song called? Never in your sun. Is it never in your sun? Never in my sun? Is um, it again? I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, never Stevie, right? Yeah, Stevie. Never, never dreamed in... I'd leave you in summer? No, never in your sun. It's, in your it's sun. not one of his biggest, uh, more, more, it's one of his lesser known songs, but it's so fucking cool. It's oh, such yeah. a Stevie, it, it's such a Stevie song. But it's also fucking awesome. It's a great song. Never. Okay. I got it. Here we go. So Never In Your Sun. This is recommended for, from Vicky Freewell for you guys to all listen to. We're going to play this. Um, but thank you so much again for your time, Vicky. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Everybody who's okay. watching, please give Vicky a follow. Um, check out her album, Sweet Company. It's out now. And she's like you she heard, she's going to be on tour on the East Coast if you're on the East Coast and in California. So check her out um again thanks so much vicky thank you all right see ya
Let's 